0: This week on episode 485 of Priority One, we trek out shaved heads on the set of Discovery Season 4, Blue Del Barrio's Star Trek debut, David Ajala's mischievous costumers, and Doug Jones catches up with Collider. In Star Trek Gaming, Star Trek Online joins the vendors hall, the Prometheus gets a fresh coat of paint, Scopely gets paid, and we discuss the similarities of Klingon culture and cold soup. Then we head on screen to watch Star Trek Discovery's newest episode, People of Earth. RPN the Roddenberry Podcast Network.
1: This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and the brand new official Star Trek Online Starship Collection at herocollector.com forward slash ST online. Save 10% with code PRIORITY10 at checkout, plus free shipping.
2: Command codes verified.
1: priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 485 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Wednesday, November 4th, 2020, and available for download or streaming on Friday, November 6th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat.
0: And I'm Tony. Captains each week between episodes, we love to engage in conversations with you, our listeners, on places like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So if you aren't already following us on any of those, be sure to look us up. There we post things like community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite social media app and you will find us, or you can email us. Reach out to us at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com.
1: Captains, this production is run much like a community theater organization. Everybody who is a part of it are volunteers who donate their time and their talents to ensure that the production you've come to expect each and every week is a quality one. From our audio editors that spend all the time throughout the week making sure that we sound decently, to our writers and producers that help structure and organize the flow of the show and how we organize our headlines. All of these things take time and in some cases, depending on the tools that we use to distribute the show or to share materials with one another, those things can cost money and quite a bit, for instance. So we turn to you listeners that find value in our show and want to help make sure that we can continue to produce the quality content you've come to expect much like a community theater organization puts on a show and those ticket sales go right back into the organization for future performances the money that we collect through sponsorship through patreon all go back into the show not into our pockets not a single person on the show earns a dime from the work that they contribute to the show not myself not tony not kat none of our audio editors everything goes back into the show to make sure we have content to share for you so if you find value in this production We encourage you to check us out over at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash priority one. And, of course, we thank our existing patrons for their support of Priority One.
2: Though it's okay if you can't financially support the show right now because we understand. But you can do one thing for us, and that's share the show. You can hit that like, retweet, and or share button when you come across one of our posts. Or perhaps you'd like to join the team. We're looking
0: for new volunteers to join the production. Specifically, we're looking for audio and video editors. Additionally, we're looking for a live stream technician for when Leo just doesn't feel like doing it. So for more information, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com or email us. Once again, that address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
2: Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Join, uh, then let's check it out. Take a trip through
1: time with us to an era vastly different than today. The year 1990, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the reunification of East and West Germany, Poland's first direct presidential election, the Western world felt like it was ending decades of Cold War hostility. Today, well, today feels different, but at least we don't have to wait a grueling three months to find out if Star Trek was going to return. In those dark Trek times, we didn't know if Patrick Stewart would return to reprise his role. What films might grace the silver screen if we'd ever, ever get to watch Star Trek on TV again? But today, we have word that Discovery is shooting its 4th season! (laughs) Ha ha! And we're only 3 episodes into its 3rd season. We reported in episode 483 that production for season 4 would start on September 2nd, but reports were confirmed via Twitter on Monday. Star Trek Discovery showrunner Michelle Paradise tweeted, quote, Day 1 of season 4. So proud of our room, breaking and writing from corners, kitchens, garages, and home offices. And our production team, prepping a new season is a lot, especially in a pandemic. They've done incredible work to get us here and keep everyone safe. End quote. Out of an abundance of caution, we're going to hit the spoiler alert klaxon. Ah! Okay, shortly after Paradise's tweet, Saru's Doug Jones tweeted a video shaving his head. Later, Jones shared a before and after photo. So, that means, unlike in 1990, we are sure to be getting our current captain back on set. For a link to the tweets, head on over to our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You'll find them in this episode's show notes.
0: In the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, People of Earth, we were introduced to the newest member of the Discovery crew, Adira. This week, Adira actor Blue Delbarrio sat down with several news outlets to talk about her experience as Star Trek's first non-binary star. Throughout Delbario's interviews with Sci-Fi, Star Trek.com, and Entertainment Tonight, it was clear that Delbarrio understood the importance of their representation, both in regards to Star Trek and more broadly to television audiences. When asked by Riley Silverman of sci-fi.com why Adira was referred to as she, her instead of they, them, and people of Earth. Delbarrio responded, quote, Yes, yeah, so that'll definitely be addressed, and Adira is non-binary, even when people are using she, they pronouns for Adira because they have not shared their identity with the rest of the Discovery crew. And this was basically the case because I still wasn't really out to my family, and I didn't want to be out on screen as a character who was out until I was, end quote. Later in the interview, Silverman mentioned the importance of the trill in the trans and non-binary communities, despite cis actors playing these roles, and how Discovery is seemingly subverting the implication that the Trill are only trans or non-binary because of the symbiote. Del Barrio responded, saying in part, quote, There's definitely a lot of the queer community that attached itself to the Trill species, but not because the Trill were necessarily like, oh, you know, because they are a host of multiple consciousnesses, they must be trans. Adira is non-binary, has always been non-binary before they were a host. It wasn't that having the symbiote brought out something else in them, but I do like how they have brought in the Trill species into Adira's storyline which kind of validates maybe a lot of what queer Star Trek fans have seen in the past, and they're identifying with the Trill in some ways, end quote. We've only quoted from one of the three articles mentioned earlier in the story, but each is well worth an independent read, and each gives context to what we've talked about here. Trick them all out, we will have links in the show
1: notes. Well, we'll go a bit into her character later in On Screen, because we only got just a glimpse into this new character, what we know is that she's human and she's carrying a symbiote. And although in TNG that was not possible, right? Because Riker is was the one who carried the trill in that episode, but not for long. We are, you know, seven, six hundred years in the future now.
2: Cannons are real a
0: burden, Elio.
2: burden. <laughs> you gotta put it in that blender. <laughs> you gotta put it in the blender. Oh, I see.
1: Mm-hmm. I, see I
2: see. The Kurtzman blender. <laughs> That's what we call it. <laughs> this is Kurtzman smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) Don't
0: apologize.
2: Never apologize for that. (laughs) Another of Star Trek Discovery's new edition, Booker's David Ajala sat down with Entertainment Tonight to talk all things Star Trek. During the conversation with E.T.'s Felania Ng, Ajala praised his character, Book, working with series star Sonequa Martin-Green and the two cats that play his queen, Grudge. When asked by Entertainment Tonight about a possible romantic relationship between Book and Burnham, Ajala was a bit uncomfortable. Quote, I don't know what you're talking about. It's absolutely platonic absolutely, absolutely platonic. No idea what you're talking about. Sorry, nope. Then he laughs." End quote. Ajala expounded later, clarifying, quote, "...those two characters definitely have an undeniable connection, which is special, and the foundation of that connection is literally the two of them, on many occasions, trust the other person with their life. But in terms of a romantic relationship, I don't know. We're going to phase out because it feels very platonic to me, but stranger things have happened." End quote. Ajala also spoke about his experience wearing the starfleet uniform saying quote yeah that was horrible because it was so tight when i did my costume fitting it was okay i thought this looks pretty cool i like it and on the day of filming i'm convinced the costume department took in a half inch or a lot of the seams on my costume so when i'm wearing that costume in the scene and i'm complaining it was freaking tight i'm convinced that's what they did absolutely convinced end quote
0: and that leads us to our first community question are you shipping Burnham and Book? What is their ship name? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: An old-time Discovery cast member also hit the media circuit. This time, the incomparable Doug Jones sat down with Collider Connected to talk about his career, his future, and Star Trek. Jones discussed what's ahead for the Discovery crew and how the 900-plus-year jump into the future will affect the series going forward. We'll explore new worlds and new creatures. And, of course, the nostalgia of all the species that you know already, we're going to visit them again, but they might have different relationships with each other than what you know. So it's all exciting to see how the, the galaxy had changed in those 930 years. Jones later discussed the Federation and how finding them could, but likely won't, affect who's in Discovery's captain's chair. A, are we going to find them? B, if we do, what condition will they be in? Will they be in a state of disrepair? Will they be up and running? Will they want to assign us a captain of their own from the future that understands the world we're in now better? Or do we have to self-govern that and assign a captain amongst ourselves? So that's still also yet to be decided. Now, but in episode one, it was shown that the Federation has kind of been missing. If they're out there, they're well hidden. So it probably will have to come down to Michael Burnham and Saru deciding among ourselves. So that's yet to be explored. The interview features Jones' candid look at his previous roles, and if you are a fan of any of his work, the video is well worth the watch. Track it out by heading over to our show notes.
2: Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to check out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. I score.
1: Captains, before we move on to Star Trek Online news, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, Eagle Moss, and their Star Trek Online Starship Collection. Captains, during our live stream broadcast of this episode, we did an unboxing of the RRW Vastum, the Romulan Republic warbird that debuted in Star Trek Online. So what do you get inside a box like this? Well, you get a five-inch die-cast model. You get a collector's magazine with an in-depth profile of the ship, including annotated renders, original production artwork. It talks about the missions in Star Trek Online, where you're introduced to these ships and the story of the Romulan Republic. It is in-depth and thorough. The best part is $29.95 and with free shipping. And on top of that, 10% off using Priority One's coupon code Priority one zero. Priority of the word and one and zero. Now, Kat, you got yourself one of these ships, right, on your own?
2: I did. I just got it, like, last week, and I have not unboxed it yet because I'm a purist, but uh, now that you've unboxed that one, I really do want to take it out of here and see what it looks like, but I'm afraid to (laughs) now.
1: Well, here's the thing, is that these ships are very durable and sturdy. They are designed from the original CGI models from the video game. They are die cast metal and high-quality ABS materials, and then just colored beautifully with stunning accuracy.
0: It's not just the Romulan Warbirds you can get. Also available right now is the Bortas-Q-class Klingon flagship, which we did last week. You can also get the USS Buran. You can also uh, of order for pre-order. You can ask for the USS Pathfinder and the Jem'Hadar Vanguard Carrier. I think there's probably more to come.
1: So what are you waiting for? Just go on to priority1podcast.com forward slash ships, go to our website, there'll be links to our sponsorships there, in our show notes, and take advantage of this awesome, awesome promotion that we're running with Eagle Moss. And of course, we thank them for their ongoing support of Priority One. During Star Trek's more than 50-year history, its relationship with real-world science has been... contentious. At times. I mean, take your pick. transwarp Salamanders, Weekly Mystery Flavor Particles, and the J.J. prize. Plummeting a quarter of a million miles to Earth in three minutes, just to name a few. Clearly, Trekkies don't find it bothersome. If anything, it's part of the franchise's charm. Seriously, though? A ship lands in three minutes? Crashes in three minutes? That said, we'll always appreciate verisimilitude, whether we see it on screen or feel it in game. Even if we need Dr. Hurt to point it out to us, plebes. On November 7th, Star Trek Online is hosting a panel for the Vendors Hall virtual convention with some serious scientific star power. Franchise science advisor Aaron McDonald, bad astronomer Phil Platt, and senior content designer Jesse Heinig will put the Gravity Kills TFO under the scope for both science and entertainment. How do you pull a story out of something so dense? that light can't escape it is spaghettification possible with the game engine join the panel at 10am pacific time to find out
2: that sounds really interesting it,
1: it is it's interesting from the from the concept that a game developer is pulling in science advisors to try to I I don't want to go so far as to say legitimize, but you know, like to try to get the game somewhat accurate and to like deconstruct a game for science.
0: Well, if they're gonna do that, they're gonna need to explain to me how gravity well works and how I can make it, you know, you know, make a new singularity every you know minute and a half. What's the cooldown on 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 gravity well?
2: Twenty seconds. Well, it depends. If you have botanic officer, it's way better. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean, you know, someone's gonna need to explain that to me after after they're all done.
1: Well, I mean, according to Star Trek Online, the panel's focus will be on the TFO's conceptual design and not necessarily its Playability,
0: right. So you know this is this is more along the lines of uh, is this even a realistic scenario? Yeah, you know, it's not. Is it a scenario you want to do, or is there ways to win faster?
1: Kat, can you remind us all which TFO is Gravity Falls? Gravity, kills. Gravity kills.
0: Gravity kills.
2: Okay, so there's a big gravity, a black hole, and you've got to uh, take those Heisenberg particles and you know get them and take them back to the ship, and then all the while the zing. Kathy are trying to kill you and is it Zen Kathy? Well anyway, whatever the enemy is, pretty sure it's Zen Kathy. They're terrible. But uh if while you're getting those particles and, and taking them back to the place they need to be, the gravity well is pulling or the black holes pulling you into it. Uh so it's really easy to like get real sucked into that and then you die. So you not only have people shooting at you, you've got the gravity pulling at you and you get sucked in and die. So you die a lot. I die a lot.
1: Yes, I do remember. <laughs> this 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 TFO now. It's been a while since I've played it because even when I even when I trigger to join random TFOs, that's not one that populates frequently. But it is a gorgeous, gorgeous interpretation of what a black hole looks like.
2: Oh, it's beautiful. It's just a very challenging. A lot of people, it's not their favorite TFO to play. <laughs> Come
1: to think of, of it, wouldn't it be cool if Gravity Well was updated to, instead of that, you know, nebulous cloud thing, if it created a little micro black hole like that? Wouldn't well, that be Well,
2: awesome? if you have the jellyfish ship, you do get that, and it's amazing. Oh. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Wait, wasn't the jellyfish in the legendary ship bundle?
2: Uh no, it's in the R&D pack. So, if you win one of those, you can get the jellyfish oh, ship. Oh, you know you, why I just confused
1: show. myself with that <laughs> and having the jellyfish? I thought the jellyfish because in at Vegas in 2019, remember that big when they had introduced like all these awesome uh ships warping in in that trailer, the jellyfish was part of that. But the jellyfish never made it into the legendary pack. The pack that had what was like $200 or something like that?
2: No, not that. And Panda just corrected me. It's the Infinity promo pack. So oh, okay, okay. If you win that pack from the Infinity box, you can get the jellyfish ship. With the mini thing. That's awesome.
1: Is that mini thing better than existing gravity wells?
2: I mean, I use them together and it makes it even more amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's a science ship, so you want to use all the science. I just throw all the clickies at the, the thing. Things.
0: <laughs> if escort carriers or science vessels aren't your thing, then the Ships of the Line series has likely left you feeling left out. But we have good news as long as you're a fan of tactical escorts. The Prometheus is getting the bundle treatment, including a remaster of the Prometheus ship model and material. The bundle combines the T5 and T6 variants and tosses in a fleet module for 5,000 zen and will be on sale for 35% off, so 3,250 zen, until November 12th.
1: This is cool. I, own, I love the Prometheus. This is hands down one of my favorite ship designs. I mean, I just love the way it looks. When I when I decided to do a 3D print of Uh, My ship in Stowe, it was my, it was my fleet advanced escort. I just, I love that ship. I love its looks. I love how nimble it is. I love that I can, I have that extra science slot so I can load up gravity well and then immediately turn around and just cannon blast everything in front of me. I don't use, I don't, I I don't think very many players use the multi-vector assault module that actually separates the ship. I tried it out, it was cool at first, and then I was like, Ah, you're not really getting a big bang for your buck by having- by- by using this console. But, I have to admit, I- I switch back to that ship every now and again, just because I love how it flies. If I'm not in an Arbiter or the Inquiry, I'm- I'm in that ship. And if I feel like I want to be, like, Canon, then I'll switch to the Sovereign. But I usually end up rotating around those three ships. So, I'm excited about the skins. I'm excited about the skin update. I'm excited about, which I do get, right? I get that even though I'm not buying this bundle because I already have the ship, right?
0: It's been my experience. Skins, so? yeah, yeah. You don't you don't get the, the, the ship skeletons, you don't get the you know the layouts, but you get the skin.
2: Revenge is like gazpacho. No, it's not because revenge is traditionally prepared with a mortar and pestle, nor is it because modern variations of revenge might include seafood or watermelon. No, revenge is like gazpacho because it's zesty, it's refreshing. Most importantly, it's best served cold. And captains, I do hope you brought your appetites. The best served cold TFO returns to all places platforms on November 12th for the latest three-week special event. As usual, foiling a car's prison break 14 times during the event will earn the grand prize, marks, and dilithium. Also, a featured episode weekly reward box will be given for the first time the TFO is completed each week. However, characters on different platforms will get different grand prizes. Console players who defend the Empire will receive Molor's flaming sword, which is obviously what it says, a Grethor branded flaming sword. Less obviously, it also features a chain pull attack helping you bring enemies close and share the love, or pain, or both, whatever you're into. Meanwhile, Victorious PC players will receive the cuddly, blood-curdling Nanopulse Targ combat pet first seen in the House Shattered story mission. However, it's not the only spicy porcine powerhouse making an appearance, The Magma Targ of Grethor charges into the Zen store on November 12th with a temporary 20% discount off its normal 500 Zen price. Fireproof oven mitts not included. Interestingly, equipping both combat pets at the same time yields the Targ Handler bonus proc. Activating one pet will automatically summon a shorter-lived version of the other pet at the same time. Now, cry havoc and let slip the togs of War. So, we've got
1: two different prizes, right, on PC versus console? Is that my understanding here? Right?
2: Yes, though I have heard that they will swap like the next time they run this event. So then the PC version will get the flaming sword because you know people will complain because I totally want that. Uh, But I also want this Targ. So... So at first, they're going to give it to PC uh, or console, and then I think it'll be available later on for the other platform. I hope so. Or that better be the case, because Flaming Sword, I totally want that, with a chain pull. Amazing. I,
0: I, I don't know. I like, I like how they're going with this. the set bonuses for your pets. It's like those dog walker people with, like, 15 little you know, corgis on a leash or something walking down the street. Okay, that's next. So, you know, if you've got all the targs, you'll you'll you summon all of them the same thing. You get the proc and... Yeah.
2: Oh, it's be nice. so cool. Well, I'm excited about the targ. Those targs look really cool. The redesign on that mission with yeah, the Yeah,
1: yeah. So we're getting that targ, right? We're getting that mass that big targ at the end, that boss targ, right? I hope so. It's that's the I one we're talking about, one. right? Yeah, that
0: I think that's the the Nanopulse targ, you know, with the lightsaber stuff on it.
1: The Mega Evolution targ, that's the one, right? My Pokemon Go friends? Yes, it's the Mega Evolution. I, I
0: think so. I-
2: I guess so. I think so. I have the it's, it's got time. the glowy bits
0: on it. The yeah, glowy bits.
2: the nanopulse pulse stuff.
0: Yeah, that's the one you get for doing the thing. Then you have to buy the lava targ.
1: I'm going to rename mine Charmander.
0: Okay, Pokemon fan, you go right ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Fleet Command publisher Scopely has been doing business that even the Ferengi Commerce Authority would envy. According to a recent VentureBeat report, the mobile game publisher behind such titles as Marvel Strike Force, Scrabble Go, and Yahtzee with Buddies recently secured a fifth round of Venture Capital funding worth three hundred and forty million dollars. Commenting on the news, CEO Javier Ferreira said, "quote We had a really successful year, and we will close the year with more than nine hundred million dollars in revenue." End quote. I think I just heard Quark choke on his root beer. The funding deal values Scopely at a remarkable three point three billion dollars and positions the publisher to continue a strategy of liberal application of the rules of acquisition number eighty-five and number three. Meanwhile, according to Ferreira, Star Trek Fleet Command has just just wrapped its 8th consecutive quarter of revenue growth. With the September expansion of the game to include all the Star Trek film and TV multiverse, it's safe to assume Fleet Command will endure significantly longer than Quark's stint as Grand Negus. Uh Production note here, uh, the article says the average player, the average player, plays Fleet Command for four hours a day.
2: What?! What is that a mobile game? Yeah, yeah that's what oh, the no.
0: Yeah, that that is that is insane. If that's the average player.
1: That's that oh. no. I'm no.
2: staying the heck away from that game. I'm clicking on that article just to double check
0: because I I that is what that, that is. is
1: insane. That game does not merit four hours a day. I don't
0: four care four
2: hours a day. I don't The care. title
0: yeah quote from the article. The title has an engaged audience with players spending an average of four hours playing each day. I mean, I suppose if you had a two-hour play session, like, at night, and then you had eight 15-minute play sessions sprinkled throughout the day, you could pull that off.
1: Maybe. I. But maybe? the average maybe. player, that is ridiculous. Wow. That game is nothing but, like, tap, tap, tappity-tap. Like, it's not, even the combat in the game is kind of weak. That's crazy.
0: That's crazy. This is, I mean, again, maybe the guy, maybe the guy who wrote the article has been fed a line of bull, and you know, there's a lot of things that can go into four hours a day. Quote, quote. I mean,
1: yeah, right. What constitutes four hours a day, right? Like, what happens if you leave the game on and then you put your phone down, kind of thing? Like, is that still counting?
0: Running in the background, is it? Uh, does it count like mission time when you switch over to a different screen? I mean, yeah. I mean, that's that's
1: insane. Yeah. All right. You know, let's talk about mobile games and Star Trek. I don't know about you guys, but I'm impressed with some of the cloud gaming technology that's been released so far. For instance, Xbox's Cloud Play, right? Their 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 Game Pass is actually quite impressive. I've played a few games on my Android device. Uh, I have a Samsung Galaxy Note nine, and I have a controller to play with it. I really hope that Star Trek Online is a title that ends up getting into the Game Pass library. At the time of this recording, that is not the case. So, I can play like a Batman Arkham Asylum or one of the Arkham games on my- on my mobile device through the Xbox Cloud service, but I can't play Star Trek Online. And I would love to start a new character in that ecosystem, in the Xbox ecosystem, I think the the ability to be able to connect my controller and my phone and play Star Trek Online on the go is exactly the answer to the you know like uh getting your boss done while on the road or whatever like that's a that's a pr- that's as close as you're gonna get. That's as close as you're gonna get. So whoever's listening from Star Trek Online, please 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 get Star Trek Online as a title into the Game Pass so that people can play in the cloud on their Android devices.
0: Uh, that's just funny to me because for years we were itching for the DOFs to go on mobile. Like, you know, it's got the perfect interface for it. You know, it's point and click, it's tap, tap, it's easy, it's quick, it's the exact... They're just going to skip that and go straight to putting the whole thing on mobile. You know, like, ah, we'll just put everything on it. Yeah, uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really, I think it's a missed opportunity if they don't add, I, maybe there's a technological approach to it. I don't see why.
0: There shouldn't be. I mean, you can play Star Trek Online or your Xbox, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so it's cloud-based. You buy a controller that, you know, resembles and interfaces with your Android device, much like an Xbox controller it does. So I don't see why Star Trek Online couldn't take advantage of this cloud gaming platform with, through Xbox Game Pass. Please, please, fingers crossed. Let's uh let's hope that Star Trek Online gets ported over. Yeah, I mean Zeth Films brings it up, you know, in the chat. You can access Flea Holdings, you can, you know, talk to your friends, you can do boffs, admiralty, launch all these things right from the comfort of your Android device without the need of a jump client, like Team Viewer or whatever, or Shadow for your phone. You just load up Xbox Game Pass and boom, you play Star Trek Online right from the comfort of your mobile device. But captains, we have other things to cover. For instance. We want to dive a little deeper into the Experimental Ship Upgrade.
2: The Priority One podcast team have had time to use our first few Star Trek Online Experimental Ship Upgrade tokens, and we'd like to discuss our first impressions for our listeners. If you've been trapped in a transporter buffer for an extended time, let us remind you how the Experimental Ship Upgrade tokens work. Purchased from the Zen Store for 1,000 Zen each, or 3 for 2,000 Zen, the tokens can be applied to any T5U or Tier 6 Starship. Upon application, the upgrade Unlocks an additional device slot, universal console slot, and starship trait slot on that specific ship class across your entire account. So what's the verdict on how these upgrades affect your gameplay?
1: In our official... It's not official. ...and extremely scientific study... It wasn't scientific. Here's what the Priority 1 team members thought. The most basic impact we saw was the value of another tactical console, like a fleet vulnerability locator. On our tactical builds... This was a very noticeable jump in combat performance, with a bit more variation, the same is true for science builds. With an additional exotic particle focuser console, for example, your exotic damage build can crank out even more space magic hurt. You might also find yourself able to stack 3 or 4 piece set bonuses that weren't in your build before Tier 6X.
0: The additional Starship Traits slot is also pretty powerful. The diversity of available Starship Traits means that how you use this slot and how it affects your performance will vary pretty widely. You might find that you can now add something like Honor Dead to your build to increase survivability without giving up any of your previous DPS. Or you might prefer to drive your damage output even higher with something like Emergency Weapon Cycle or Target Rich Environment. Remember the only other way to add a starship trait slot to your build will cost you 250,000 fleet credits and 100,000 Dilithium.
2: The other big area of impact for these X upgrades is the opportunity to bring your favorite T5 u ship's performance up to the levels that let you keep flying it even though it's not top of the line. Quite a few captains we've talked to have done just this. If your favorite ship is a T5 Tempest Patrol Escort or a T5 Dyson Destroyer, well these upgrades might just breathe new life into your enjoyment. Enjoyment of it. Just remember, if you upgrade your T5U ship to T5U-X, the upgrades won't carry over when a tier 6 refit of the ship comes down the line.
1: To get to the bottom line, these experimental upgrade tokens seem to be worth the cost, whether you spend zen or energy credits to get them. Now one of the best parts of Star Trek Online, of course, is taking your favorite ship out into the universe and improving the performance of that favorite ship of yours just makes it even more fun like I'm experiencing with my Prometheus. One of the reasons I don't fly it often is because it can get a little squishy. So, After having upgraded it to tier 6X, I'm having a much better experience in TFOs and just general gameplay with it.
2: What console did you add? A vulnerability locator from the fleet? Or did you add another console?
1: I added a different console. Um, I think in this particular build, I threw in something that helped with my uh, space magic. So that... Because the nice thing about Gravity Well, especially if you're in an escort, is, you know, throw a Gravity Well in, and if the Gravity Well is strong enough to pull in as many enemies as possible, then you hit Cannon Scatter Volley, and you're attacking... That cluster of enemies, right? You're just focusing your attention and you're focusing your fire in that one spot, which is a tactic that I, that I like, and I like that itty bitty bit of space magic. So yeah, I have to spend a little more time myself with the with the advanced escort. I did do. You we were on flying that last
2: night when we yeah, ran yeah, TFOS, right? Night. I thought you. I thought that was that.
1: But the thing about it is is that so we we've. We parse every once in a while. Like Jake is a Jake likes to parse, and and so do I, just to kind of get an idea of how well my ship is performing. But I I don't think I'm ever gonna break a hundred thousand damage points per second, right? DPS. I don't think I'm ever gonna break that, which is that like golden number, the number that all expert Star Trek Online players shoot for. If you're not doing a hundred thousand k damage, are you even stowing, bro? Shh.
2: I don't get that. But, yeah,
1: but, you know, (laughs) I'm perfectly happy not
2: getting that.
1: (laughs) Do you even stow, bro? Nah. I'm never gonna get that because I'm a button mesher. If I, you know, all I'm doing is hitting tray bar seven, tray bar eight, and tray bar nine in the event of an emergency. So I don't time my powers the way that these more experienced players, nuanced players, might do with the game.
0: I haven't decided if I want to put mine on the fleet arbiter or my Odyssey yet. I haven't decided.
2: Oh man, I've upgraded like four ships already. It's awesome. I love that upgrade. How much are they going? For? on the on the exchange? Uh, you know, I don't even know. Um, I bought a whole bunch when they were on sale. I haven't even looked at the exchange. But if anyone out there knows, tell us in chat. I bet they are probably in the... 20 million range? I don't know. Because Fleet Ship Modules run... 20 million? Yeah, Fleet Ship Modules, which are 500 zen, run about 15 million. So, okay, maybe these would be 30 million. I don't know. But if anyone out there knows, let us know. Yeah, I'm like, I love the upgrades. They're awesome.
0: That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's look on screen for the newest episode in the Star Trek Multiverse. On screen.
1: Computer, set Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 3, People of Earth, on screen.
2: People of Earth, we are Starfleet. We come in peace. We seek out the Federation. Federation. Have you heard of this? Federation. Starfleet? Does Starfleet ring any bells? Never mind. Clearly your knowledge of the last 100 to 120 years is spotty at best. Anyway... You must know three things about the USS Discovery. First, Commander Michael Burnham has changed over the last year. Don't worry if I spoke too quickly for you to take notes, I will repeat this several times. Second, she is going to need some time to adjust to those unspecified changes. Again, I will go over these two points again, frequently and blatantly, again and again. Third and finally, you must search your ancient archives for the mid-20th century cell-shaded motion picture animation known as Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, where are you? For reasons that will become clear later, your world's defense policy and foreign relations will improve immensely if you take the lessons learned by the crew of the Mystery Machine to heart. We thank you for your gift of the 32nd century Wesley Crusher reboot. We are certain they will come in handy in many plot situations. We would greatly appreciate it if you didn't tell anyone that we have A, enough dilithium to buy a sector, B, an FTL drive that runs without dilithium, and C, no effective defenses against modern weapons. Farewell, people of Earth. We go forth to find Starfleet and or the Federation. Captains, I want...
1: To be incredibly clear that I am not the one writing these summaries, and instead, the cynicism it, and it's, the it's me, it, it's, it's me, <laughs> the it's cynicism me I get it. that it's you me. hear. In I know, I feel it's
2: like me. Tony should maybe read these because
0: <laughs> you did a great job delivering it. I have to say, it was, it was...
2: well, you know, I mean, I feel a little like this, but maybe not as much.
1: <laughs> All right, let's jump into some of the statistics for this episode. This episode was written by Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippold and directed by Jonathan Frakes. So let's jump in, shall we? Kat, why don't you first tell us what uh, your favorite moment was for this episode?
2: I knew you were going to call on me first. (laughs) My favorite part was when it really did feel like Star Trek with the, hey, let's sit down and talk about what the issues are between you guys. Why are you doing all this? That was good might not have been my most favorite episode i mean it definitely felt like they were beating you over the head with michael she went through some stuff i mean she had it she had some
0: things man she's seen things
2: she's seen things we get it we got that the first five minutes
1: well let me ask you this there was this recurring thing about michael's had a year here on her own and the discovery is warping in last minute. Do you think that's a bit of an allegory to the last four years and especially this last year, in the United States especially, right? Because we have the highest mortality rate in the world from COVID. Do you think she's a representation of us, of people who have lived in 2020, all of a sudden somebody from 2019 comes in and goes, what's the matter with you? What have you been through? You can read
0: into it that way, but they wrapped production before this all this all hit. So, I mean, if you'd ah, like to if you'd like yeah. to analyze it that way, that's perfectly valid. But I don't. I mean, that wasn't intended. I mean, I suppose they could dig that up in the editing booth. But yeah,
2: I'm like, it's one year. I mean, I guess they could have made it like five years, or might have been more obvious that she was even more changed. But maybe one year wasn't as bad. I, I, I don't know. Yeah,
1: no, I do agree with you there. I do agree with you there. The one year thing is kind of like. Do we really change that much in a year? Like, she doesn't seem to have gone through anything traumatic, right? Like, we weren't Well, that to we know of. Right, true.
2: But she's had to survive, you know, and, and apparently she's self-reliant enough that she doesn't, like, stay on the ship with Book. She does her own thing and becomes a courier on her own.
1: All right, overall, you said it wasn't your favorite episode, you didn't like it very much?
2: I might have to re-watch it, but... Yeah, I just felt like the, okay, we get it, she did that, but repeating it all with every character she interacted with.
0: Every single every one. Every time.
2: And I felt like the only honest one was, of course, her and O. because O. gets her. That part, I really did kind of like, because O's like, oh, you know what it's like now, so now we have that in common. <laughs>
1: all right, Tony, how about you? What was it about this particular episode that you just did not enjoy?
0: I'm going to start with the part that I like. Okay. Do you like to hear the part that I like? Sure. Mm-hmm. It's when Burnham said, shush.
1: Wait, to who? <laughs> to who?
0: To Book. Oh. They had a moment in the elevator, and they were just chatting, and she said, shush. And you know what? That was like that was the most natural part of the episode.
1: But what was that about? What was she shushing him? Like was he I don't even know, and I and don't it- even care.
0: But it's the part that I remember because it was like, ah, that was a character thing they just did there. There was an honest moment between two people that had seen some things together. They got more mileage out of the shush than the four speeches that Burnham gave. This episode, again, beautiful episode. The actors and the director did what they could with the script. The
1: writing was horrible oh, with the capital, no. Bill. No. All right, was, all right, so tell me your least favorite. What was, like, the one... What were, when did you go, ah! Like Charlie Brown?
0: Captain's Log, Stardate, something or other, I'm going to tell you what I've been doing. I'm like, why are we doing this? Why don't we jump into doing things? You have... Millions of dollars of budget at your disposal. You can blow up anything you want. Show us things. Don't tell us. Because they did it in the Captain's Log, and then they did it again uh, with Tilly, and then they did it again with Saru, and then they did it again mm-hmm. with Georgiou, and they did it again with uh, uh, somebody else. Who else did they do it with? I'm sure they did it with somebody else. They couldn't, they couldn't have just done it with four people. They needed five or six. Oh,
2: crap. I had another favorite moment with Saru. I'm sorry. I, that Saru really was... Saru's
0: great. You can't, you can't that... not like Doug Jones, And when right? she
2: said... It's always been you, Saru. That part was amazing. Okay. No, that was stupid.
0: Because what? you no, don't know. No, I loved it. Sorry, the first officer does not get to crown the captain. No, you have that conversation. She was in, in
2: contention, but everybody was looking to her to say something. And which, is problem, like, which is the
0: problem? Which is the problem? Because now that she's the first officer, the next time she and Saru don't agree on something, everyone's gonna look at Michael and go, "Is that okay?" Should we I do what know. the captain said?
2: She's just going to go do whatever she wants.
0: Oh, right. right. So I guess I guess then Michael really hasn't changed because that's exactly the first thing she did in the first episode of the first mm-hmm. series. She hasn't changed at all. She's the same person she's always been.
1: So you have a point. That's a good point, and I can't argue that. You're right. I we...
0: can't stand the writing on this show. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. They I canon is a burden. Tony. They don't even like their own characters. <laughs> They don't even watch the old shows. What are you
2: people well, the doing? Blender. It's, the, it's blender. the blender. It's God, the Kurtzman, Kurtzman blender. Smoothie. <laughs> Pay no attention
0: to the things that we said last year or did in last season. That's all.
2: Ah. Okay, wait, though, I do have a question. So there's the burn where all the dilithium explodes, but now there's still dilithium. Was it only ships were that were in warp at the time that exploded? But they could just get more dilithium and build more ships, right?
0: I, I suppose, charitably, they couldn't guarantee that it would happen again. I suppose, though, in the 100 to 120 years since the burn, if there had been another
1: burnette, people would have noticed at
0: this point.
2: So, Corbon two, you can still go mine all the Dilithium?
1: My understanding was that all Dilithium resources had been depleted, right? So
0: you could That was a throwaway line, yes.
1: That was a throwaway Uh, line, so there was a two-step process here. There was first Dilithium started to dry up, and then there was a burn.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay
1: so tony you bring up really good points you're right i think that they're sacrificing some writing in order to accelerate some drama burnham's drama right i will say this though i like burnham not vulcan shush yes and i like sonequa martin green i would argue that that flip into her being human now and kind of letting go of her vulcan upbringing i think that might have been a bit too fast right in the first year of being somewhere in a strange new world i think as humans we would try to hold on to things that ground us right so she landed and she did try to ground herself the moment she landed but i don't know i don't know that in a year we'd all abandon our things that we've lived with for 30 plus years right
2: well remember she just saw her mom too and and listened to all of her logs and all of her journals and all that so maybe she was trying to recapture some of her humanity after that being alone on a planet within the future might change you it might but it's funny
1: that you say that the writing is terrible because i think that the writing is better than the last two seasons
0: oh well yes Yes, so much better than the first two seasons which were
1: Yes, I know. Also I, know I know. I know. Yes, I know. I know, okay. I know. But but here's the thing is that I when I watched this episode, I walked away going that's familiar. This story and the way they're handling their A and B plots is familiar. The Scooby-Doo thing that you keep bringing up that you that you're bringing up with Oh, this, I only brought up once. That you brought it up, yes, brought it up once, but was clearly written in the summary. Oh yeah. The Scooby-Doo thing is kind of classic, man. It harkens back to TNG and TOS though. Again, I try to avoid the, this is Star Trek, this isn't Star Trek. What I will say is that this feels familiar to older predecessors of the franchise.
0: There's familiar and then there's cliche. And the problem is that they went through a tense quasi hostage situation super fast and in a really really ridiculous way so they could get to the Scooby-Doo part where they all sat down and talked about their feelings and the solution was blatantly obvious to anyone who was even the slightest bit curious as to who the quote bad guys were. If the people on the ground really felt threatened by these raiders from the sky they would have gone where are these people coming from we should think about maybe striking their base of operations or maybe this this is a huge threat we've got to find out what's going on with these people And they would have found out, oh, it's the people we abandoned on Titan who don't have dirt anymore. They're raiding us because they ran out of dirt.
1: Yes, that's a plot hole that that could have been massaged a little better. But at the end of it, by the time that that scene ends, the guy's unmasked, and they're ready to talk, and Saru's there acting as mediator, my heart glowed a little because I was like, oh, this is... This is what I remember. This is what I remember from the episodes, from the olden days episodes of Star Trek. Right at the end of that scene, they play the traditional brass phrasing for Star Trek. Dun, 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 dun. Right, they like start, they leveled up. They, they start going right, like they leveled up. And I am, you see, that is when we need to hear that phrasing. It is moments like that that deserve that brass and that musical theme, not. When you're drunk and high and breaking <laughs> off a friendship, just to <laughs> advance your purpose and your mission, not then. This was that moment. This is a good moment of when musical orchestration should say, "This is Star Trek." Enjoy what you're watching. Not <laughs> look at the look at the alcoholic, look at the addict, you know, breaking off her friendship for one last time. <laughs> Let's all laugh about that. I love addicts. Let's enable them. No, no. This was how ex- you use that The extemporaneous
0: theme. lyrics are a good touch. I like that. We have I'm better glad. writing on I'm this glad.
1: show. I'm glad. <laughs> Kudos to the music, to this episode as well. So there's that. But I need to also give credit where credit is due. Saru, Doug Jones, stole this episode. Yes. Hands down Saru's stole this episode. Saru's great. I like Saru. Here's the thing. Doug Jones is wearing layers of prosthetic makeup. Layers of latex. Layers of makeup. Now, think about smiling in a disposable face mask when you're out and about having a shop. Just think about about how difficult it's been to communicate with another human being, another stranger, when you're out running errands whilst wearing a face mask. That's a good point. And here is Doug Jones blurring the line between latex and human. There were several moments of this throughout this episode, right? Several moments. One of them was when Burnham yields the captaincy to him. Again, layers of makeup. So under the layers of makeup, I can only imagine how exaggerated his expressions have to be. In order to make the latex move, right? He's got to be like, I'm making faces for the camera. Just (laughs) Just so that the latex moves ever so slightly to give it a little bit of life. And we've seen this a little bit in past episodes where he'll nose-breathe into the latex and it kind of puffs up a little bit. But this man is, I mean, just... You can write a paper. You can write a paper analyzing his acting techniques through prosthesis. I mean, it's unbelievable how thin the line blurs between Doug Jones, the man, and Saru, the character.
0: I Always watch his hands.
2: He's amazing.
0: When he walks, God never screws it up.
1: No.
2: Nah, he's fantastic.
0: And he, it's not just his face, it's his—it's how he tilts his head. It's his it's shoulders, how, how, how he faces eyes, people.
1: His eyes, and, the, and he's wearing full eyeball contacts, and yet he still communicates with his eyes. Give this man all the awards. Let's talk about
0: the Wesley Crusher reboot.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: What Wesley Crusher
0: reboot? Adira, the Wesley Crusher reboot. 17, no, 16. And the smartest engineer ever? Can we talk about how amazingly awesome they are? Because they've been on screen for 10 seconds, and we already know from that that this person is just just so better than Tilly? Way even better than Tilly even? Yeah. And then another Scooby-Doo moment at the end. The admiral you were looking for was there with you all along. I mean, uh, uh,
2: it uh, uh nah. I, I thought that was kind of interesting, though. No? It was predictable? Uh,
0: no, it, it wasn't. I, I'll, I'll give him this. I didn't see it coming. Because now what? Now the only clue we have is in the tummy of this 16-year-old kid, and they don't remember anything, so why are we leaving? Where should we go? We don't know where to go. This person doesn't remember where we should be going. The world is dangerous out there. We have no shields or weapons that will save us for anything. We clearly have no idea who the bad guys or good guys are let's just hang out in orbit for a little while and sort some things out. But no, we need to go out and fly around some. You
1: know, I got to tell you, Tony, I see, it, I get it. I understand what you're saying. I understand that this is very simple writing. Very simple writing.
0: They've had years to figure this
1: out. And they've had two years to figure this out. But I will say this. So far, these three episodes have been consistent. And even if they're a little rudimentary, they still follow a formula that is familiar whilst still advancing a plot that isn't overly convoluted, and I almost feel like I'm at home with this formulaic process that they're doing in season three.
0: That's perfectly fine. My biggest frustration is that episode two was good. That's my biggest frustration. Episode two was a good episode, and that was really, I think, my biggest disappointment in this one. It's like, hey, all right, yes, do that. You got, it. you kind of got something there. And then this, and it was just... Uh...
2: That wraps up this week's on-screen for Star Trek Discovery. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other.
1: Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages.
0: Last week, our community question was, what did you think of the new Star Trek online episode, Partisans? And what has been the highlight of the year of Klingon content for you?
1: From Twitter, Sean Newboy writes The new content has been well done. I enjoy playing it, except for the synth TFO. I'm with you there, Sean. I'm with you there. That synth TFO. Yeah. I don't know. It was cool at first, and then, I don't know. It, it, it,
0: You're saying it lacks replayability?
1: It lacks some replayability. Yeah, yeah, it really does.
2: I think it's because of the timers, but I could be wrong. Yeah. But anyway.
1: What do you mean timers? Also, Wait, what do you mean timers?
2: Uh, it seems we've discussed with the Armada, but the TFOs that run on timers, where it's a set playtime or a set battle time, like it is in the Synthwave, like those are less enjoyable because it, it should be like you advance more quickly if you do... You know, kill more things or rescue more things or whatever you're doing oh. more quickly, then you should be able to advance faster, and it shouldn't be at a set time.
0: Your skill doesn't make a much of a difference in the
2: exactly. That's this a really one, good you're point. you're set to the time; it's on a timer, and there's a few other TFOS like this, like um, Azura Nebula right. Rescue mm. is on a timer, and, and some others, which make it a little more frustrating because you know you're going to sit there for 20 minutes. Well, anyway, it seems like the if you can advance it quickly quickly by accomplishing the objectives faster, then you should be able to do that and not be stuck in in a timed instance.
0: It's sometimes the whole cheeks in seats portion of an MMO bleed through a little more, and that and it, it's, it's, it's frustrating when you understand that that's the objective of this piece of content is to keep you playing for a little bit longer.
2: Right, and so you know you gotta devote at least 20 minutes right. when you could do maybe 15 or 10 or whatever. You know, the objective is to get it done faster and, and more efficiently, but that's not what happens here. Right. Also from Twitter, Joshua Selig replied, I enjoyed Partisans. Like the fact that they are reusing Nimbus in the journey that Ja'ul is on. The fact, spoiler, that they are heading for Borath seems to be perhaps we are going to see Kaelas and Molor again. Perhaps even Takuvma. As for Star Trek Discovery, does anyone else get an Andromeda vibe for this show? I do hope Detmer does not get killed off. It might be a red herring. The bigger question is what caused the burn? Perhaps it was the destruction of the red angel suit. Huh? Oh, that's interesting.
0: Well, that would be right. in keeping with timey-wimey things, you know, something that they did causing something. But the right for the, for the moment, the chronology doesn't match up because what this is 120 years in the past. So what did they do to cause?
2: That? Yeah, it's...
0: but hand waving sure they could. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: right. And yeah, the the Andromeda vibe. So that was another Gene Roddenberry property uh, from back in the day. It starred Hercules himself, uh, mm, and that's it was right. It was a post. Collapse of the Roman Empire, similar type uh, setting where you know the one lone ship is supposed to carry the flame and whatnot. I didn't watch very many episodes of it, but I remember the the, the through line. Uh, and yeah, that's 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 yeah, it's probably what they're going for uh, uh, with with this. Only. Only I wish no. they do Only better. Only
2: not. <laughs> Only
0: I wish they would do better.
1: Well, that wraps up episode 485 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends.
2: But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, Gerald Bosch, Joshua Selig, and here's a shout out to our newest patron, Howard Robeson. Thank you for joining the Patreon family. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, welcome, Howard. And don't forget to answer our community question for this week. Are you shipping Burnham and Book? What's their ship name? Captains, it's
0: important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at priority1podcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority1podcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at priority1pod.
2: And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, me, Thomas, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com.
1: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, Captains, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content that we produce each and every week. If you'd like to be a part of our Patreon family, visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one. And here's a special message to our patrons. I have finally mailed out your little Priority One loot boxes, so I hope you enjoy it.
0: Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets.
1: Thanks to our audio editors including Gray, Brandon, William, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer Jake and associate producers Shane and Thomas. Together they help organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager Anthony with support from Shane Hoover. Thanks to our graphic artist Henry with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible.
2: Enemy ship on sensors.
1: Red Alert
0: shields up. Engage. Engage.
1: Transfer complete. Klaxon. Klaxon. <laughs> klaxon. Nice cracking me up. <laughs> y-
0: You I... love the fact that Andy Dick was the first captain?
1: No. No, shut up. Why do you have to? Why do you have to poo poo on he? Oh everything? Oh my god!
2: Mind blown.
1: I hate you. Why do you use that hologram? It was the hologram. No. You have was to poo poo on everything that excites me. I hate you. <laughs> I
0: hate you. Yeah, but it's good radio.
2: Classic.
0: Oh,
1: classic. Oh my Look,
0: god!
2: Wow. I like the I, Andy Dick aside.
0: Yeah, Dick.
1: <laughs> I love
2: everything else about it. Everything, I love everything else about, it is great, about the ship. that. Revenge is like gazpacho. No, it's not Damn because it. I,
1: You're the one that gets the Spanish word? You do you want to gaz- do it? You gaz- can do no, You gotta be a gazpacho. A gazpacho. Like <laughs> gazpacho. I is, it gazpacho. A gazpacho. I am not gazpacho.
2: from Barcelona. It is from Barcelona. It's I am not from Barcelona.
1: You have to make that face, too. Gazpacho. <laughs>
2: no. I I will not. <laughs> Why
1: is everybody up my butt tonight? podcast.rottenberry.com
0: Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization, Cisco Alpha One Alpha.
1: Logs
2: accessed. I'm sure there is an answer. Well, better get some facts. Astronomy, quantum
1: mechanics. It's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real. Education, astrometrics. The final frontier.